blind about it. They are not able to explain why it's important. And more often than not, one person can, your, your whatever manager or whatever personal finance person that, that you work with, they can tell you about diversifying, but the strategy that they recommend you, right? It, it's just, I, I, I don't know. La. It's, it's just weird. La. So today we're going to spend some time to talk about some of the pitfalls of diversification and essentially why I believe that for a lot of people, when they talk about it, it's quite a myth. They don't exactly know what they're saying. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So good morning, everyone, and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances as well. And today's topic, we're going to spend some time to debunk some of the myths of diversification. Okay, before we go deep, right, I just want to put it out there that I actually diversify and I believe in diversification, right? So I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of what does diversification mean? So the central idea of diversification is to maximize your profit potential while reducing your investment risk. What does it mean? Try to speak human, right? <laughs> In other words, you want to buy different assets that have limited correlation, right? So that their price movements don't move in tandem, you know, and give you a, a huge exposure to market volatility. To further simplify, essentially, you're trying to buy assets with limited correlation. When we say something has high correlation, it is essentially that when the price of A goes up by 1, the price of B goes up by close to 1, right? That is extremely high correlation, which means their price is essentially moving in the same direction. If A goes down by 1, B goes down by close to 1. That is when they have very high correlation, so when you link all of these things back to diversification, essentially the idea is to try to buy assets, right? That have profit potential independently, but then when, when shit happens, right? They don't all go bust together, right? That is the idea, right? And I think I said it many times, but Dalio has a great video called Holy Grail, right? The, the Ray Dalio's Holy Grail on YouTube. You can go and search. If you want to geek it out and, and just kind of deep dive with, with him, then definitely head over. And in today's podcast, right, I'm not trying to like debunk diversification. I was like, diversify how? No, I'm I'm not trying to debunk diversification. You know, I see its theory, I see what it's trying to do and what it's trying to achieve, right? Essentially all your asset allocation strategy, you know, where you try to buy a little bit of REITs, a little bit of stocks, a little bit of bonds, a little bit of gold, a little bit of uh, a little bit of like endowment plans or some ETFs here, some trust there, you know, all are centered around the idea of diversification, right? You buy assets across the board so that you can, you know, maximize your profit potential while, you know, reducing your, you know, downside risk. But over the years, I felt that, you know, the diversifying or diversification, you know, as a term has been like, overused and anyhow used. Uh. It's not just about being overused. It's like, everyone tell you diversify, diversify, you know, like, 
every strategy is about diversify, you know, and it's it's quite cock because, you know, some of these people that recommend you different, different products and different um, strategies and, you know, I'm just going to call it out, like all your financial, you know, uh, advices, right? Or all your different, different kind of financial gurus or different, you know, agents and managers, right? They, they all speak on this mantra of diversification, but I was honestly quite shocked, you know, when I started interacting with some of them and I'm not saying everyone suck. You know, I've met very, very smart ones and you'll be super honored and super lucky to be working with them. Uh, but sadly, from my shallow experience with some of these personal finance managers, like whether is it your broker, your financial advisor or your agents, um, generally, I think they're a lot more product focused. They're just very clear about their own product. And just very sales focused. Like if you if you really want to talk about advisory in a sense of like understanding the broad market, understanding the broad spectrum, and even understanding deeper, more complex concepts, I think uh, most of them are not there yet. So we we can definitely do better, right? As as a collective. So yes, for today's topic, right? Now that we have uh, gotten a little bit better understanding of what diversification is about and um what is the goal of diversification, then I'm going to share with you three pitfalls, right? Three scenarios that I've observed out there. Uh, pretty common, yeah? Three, these three scenarios. And I honestly think um, for whatever reason that you are in such a scenario, then I hope you, you are aware. But if you're not, then you potentially fall into the pitfalls, lah, right? Essentially, you believe that you're diversifying, but in actuality, you're probably um, not. Lah. You're probably hurting yourself more than benefiting yourself. Okay, so the very, very first pitfall that I observe, very common out there, is uh, buying multiple compound product, creating a lot of product overlap. Allow me to share with you a story. Right, so... Um, this, this guy called, let's say, we call him Bill. Lah. Okay, Bill um, just graduated, made some money, and, you know, making $3,000 a month, managed to, you know, put aside $1,000 a month to invest. Pretty good, right? Ah, not too bad. So then he read a little bit of blog here and there and, you know, meet his uh, uh, financial planner friends and, you know, uh, watch some guru online, talk to his broker, blah, blah, blah. And this is the portfolio that he has for $1,000 a month. Um, he had a friend in Prudential, let's say Prudential friend, I uh, talked to him, uh, and they recommend him to buy this uh, Pruling Singapore Asian uh, managed fund. Okay, essentially he put $300 in this fund, uh, Singapore managed fund. Uh, he also don't know exactly uh, what it is. And then after that, he go online and read some book and say he must buy index funds, uh, broad-based diversified index funds. So he went to buy the ES3, uh, essentially the Straits Times Index, SPDR Straits Times Index. Also put another $300 there. Right, and then he went to his broker, the bro- uh, asked the broker, okay, went to Philips Capital, let's say, uh, the broker. And then the broker recommend him, oh, you want save, huh? Save, okay, then you buy the big banks, huh? how about you just buy the three banks? Right, so he put $100 in each bank, okay, um, every month. So $100 to DBS, $100 to UOB, $100 to OCBC. He owned the stocks directly, huh? And then one of his friends kind of tell him, hey, I, re- I recently tried this robo-advisor like Baypai, uh, user interface, very nice. Uh, then he put $100 in stash away law or something like that, right? So he chose the core 14% uh, risk index product, okay? So what happens? 
on the surface, it sounds damn sweet. Huh? This guy, he buy a bit of unit trust, uh, he buy a bit of index funds, he buy into a few different uh, big bank stocks, you know, blue chip, and then he use a bit of robo-advice. So this guy sounds super diversified, man. It sounds like amazing, right? Great investment strategy, right? He amalgamate all the tashi from the uh, internet to the friend, to the broker, everybody. And then he decided, wow, this is uh, my diversified investment plan. I don't know what to tell him, okay? But anyway, after that, then he met the coconut. And then the coconut tell him, right, hey, bro, actually, uh, inside this Asian managed fund, a pooling Asian managed fund, is 30% of MSCI Singapore Free Index. So within this Singapore Index, uh, so it's a compound product, right? 18% is in DBS, 14% OCBC, 11% UOB. Okay? And then I also tell him, hey, this ES3 index fund that you get, uh, this index ETF, okay, has 14% DBS, 12% OCBC, 10% UOB. Just so happened that your robo-advisor has nothing of those three. Ultimately, you know where he is. Ultimately, right, he's spending about 15% in DBS, 14% in UOB, and 14% OCBC, amalgamating for $450 a month of his $1,000 budget. Uh, just in these three big banks alone, 45% of his investment portfolio is in the three banks. Is that diversified? I honestly think he's not. He has so many compound presence in the different products that he buy that he end up becoming super, you know, aggressive with the big banks because he owns so much of the big banks in his portfolio. And I was very shocked, you know, that actually these people exist. And when I talk to them, they'll be like, Huh? Chanda ma? I was like, yes, Chanda. That is the reality. So this is one of the major pitfalls that you can actually have, you know, when you are broadly diversified, blindly diversified, you don't even know what you're buying, right? So you need to understand that a lot of these compound products that you own, they are actually amalgamated with many other of all these kind of things different stocks, different bonds, different cash management arrangement, different REITs, different properties, you know. So I'm not against compound products. You know, they're just a bit more complex to understand and you need to spend time to understand, not just because you trust your friend or you trust your broker, you trust your auntie, you know, so be it. Huh? Whoever you trust, you just make sure that they really know what they're saying. But if so happen that you have some of these complex products and the, you sound like you fit this scenario, huh? You definitely come to the Telegram group and you know, just you don't mind, you can share with us and then we can kind of help you decipher what is your composite. Um, and yeah, if you want to be broadly diversified, then you got to recognize that you know this is an extreme pitfall that you know many people fall into. Uh, is is not a rare thing. So I hope you learn this thing. Uh, make sure you are aware of what you actually own. Don't blindly think you are diversifying. Okay. So that is point number one. The number one pitfall, uh, and the number two pitfall that I observed, a lot of people have, is they blindly diversify just because they have to diversify. They subscribe to this idea of diversifying. So they buy different asset class without understanding what they're buying. And honestly, even I felt a bit pressured to buy into some sort of like diversifying kind of product like bonds or something, even though I don't know because the whole world tell me that I need to diversify until I sit down and think, you know, I don't want to buy into something I don't understand. And yes, we'll come back to this point. I got so much to say after a word from our sponsor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so blindly diversifying is a real thing, right? Buying into different asset class just because you you think you need to diversify. But in actuality, it causes you more confusion. It causes you more insecurity because you don't exactly know what you are buying. Right? So when I, when I look at it, a lot of people have this kind of like, you know, one-time setter, sweet, sweet, and then don't think about it anymore kind of thing, right? So which is why they like to go for one-stop solution or which is why they just like to set and forget, right? But the reality is on your personal finance journey, you learn uh, one tool by another tool, bit by bit, right? You take your time and learn. Uh, you probably won't know everything at one go. And in, in fact, many people in the financial world, like all your fund managers or your stock pickers or, you know, your uh, the, the big time guys, huh? more, more often than not, they only know one or two product, right? If they are focused on gold and silver, they're, they're very focused on gold and silver. If they're focused on equities, they are usually very focused on equities. You know, if they are, you know, even equity can be broken down. If they're focused on bonds and government debt, then they'll be very, focus on it. So most of these guys are super focused in their vertical and they spend years and years or almost all their life doing that one thing. So realistically for us, when we come in and try to understand some of these assets so that we can, you know, kind of be more aware when we build our financial portfolio, not, not like what other people say, we just we just all, all, all like that, you know. So we want to be a little bit more aware, a little bit smarter. We need some time. So don't kanchong, no rush. If you don't understand, you don't need to diversify. Buy what you understand first. And one thing that I feel a lot of people buy into without understanding is this thing called bonds. Bonds sounds very simple to understand, right? Like you just, you know, government release this bond and then you get a certain interest after an extended period of time, they get a repayment, they pay you, blah, blah, blah. Right? So bonds sounds super simple to understand. But if you start buying things like bond funds where there are different, different tranches inside, or if you don't understand how interest rates, you know, function, you know, how does the interest rates affect your bond yields? You know, or you don't understand how bonds are being transacted in the market, right? And you, you will be like, half has lost lah. Especially if you buy those bond funds. Because more often than not, if you want to get exposure to bonds and you don't want the kind of boring, you know, uh, government bonds, you know, or Singapore bonds, you know, where it's a, a lot more simple. You're just buying one kind of bond. You want to go for those bond funds that different people are selling you. And in the bond funds, there are tranches, right? There are the triple A, the triple B, you know, double A, you know, or essentially junk bonds or like investment grade bonds and different corporate bonds, you know, they, they usually buy different, different things put together in a bond fund. Uh, why is that so? Because for a lot of these kind of bond sales, they don't sell in the kind of units that we are used to like 10,000, 20,000. No, they sell in the millions right, or the hundreds of thousands. So only fund managers can buy that kind of big bulk, right? And when they buy the big bulk, then they put together and then they chop, 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 chop into a fund and then they sell you that fund, okay? That's kind of how they do it. So you will never be able to get direct access to the bonds, you know, other than maybe some government bonds, depending on uh, how much they release and, you know, depending on different government works differently and you got to apply for it, right? Like the Singapore Savings Bond, you got to apply for it. Uh, not everybody will get it. So if you, if you want to get those kind of bond funds, 
half the time you don't know what you're buying. Honestly, when I talk to people, they don't understand what they're buying because they don't understand the tranches. They don't understand, you know, uh, things like liquidity rate. They don't understand, you know, how how the bonds are being, you know, verified. You know, how are they given the ratings, right? Who are the rating agencies? You know, how do they do it? Like, essentially, it's, it's just so complex. Even I don't understand what's going on, right? So, um, I'm not saying that you will never be able to understand, but it's just... When I look at it, right, it is if it's even scarier to diversify into something that I don't understand than not diversifying. Okay, so in my in my view, you can always start with some things you understand, some things that are simpler, and you take your time to slowly diversify into different asset class. Like when I first started, I only bought U.S. equities, right, and I'm very growth focused because that was the only thing that I learned. You know, but over time, I start to see different different kind of products, and now I'm looking at like buying REITs in Singapore, right, and I'm trying to look at you know other equities in China, right, and even consider gold, right. So I own a little bit of gold, and all these things I learned over time. It took me like three to five years to ultimately come to such a portfolio. Alright, so to me, I'd rather you don't diversify than you anyhow diversify and then when shit happens, you don't even know what happened. Right? So when you don't know what happened, you cannot rectify, you don't learn, right? So you become blind half the time, which is not the goal, right? And yeah, one of the major pitfalls that I observe is blind diversification. Right? So I hope you don't do that. Lah, huh? Just uh, learn one product by one product and slowly build your portfolio. It takes time. My kanchiong, okay? No hurry, yeah, guys? Which brings me to my third point, right? The third pitfall that I see when people subscribe to diversification is selling your winners to balance your portfolio because diversify law. Wow, this one is also kaula one. So the idea of balancing your portfolio is uh, pretty popular out there. Lah. Somehow or another, I don't know why it's popular, but it is the idea that if you have a, let's say you have a 10% um, 10% times 10 kind of equity structure, which means like you decide to buy these 10 companies and everybody is at a 10%, then it must stay like that, right? So if let's say you own Facebook, Apple, Google, and then somehow they all do very well, suddenly now they are at 20% of your portfolio, you must sell them out. You must sell them so that you can rebalance the portfolio to become 10, 10, 10. It must be 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And, and it is a thing and it's more and more popular these days with a lot of these kind of like uh, digital, you know, advices and robots. You know, they do that, right? They, they automatically help you rebalance. I think the OCBC one does that or I cannot remember exactly. Okay, don't quote me. Uh, okay, I may be wrong but some of these uh, digital platforms, they do that auto rebalancing, right? They, they do periodic rebalancing whether it's quarterly or half yearly or annually, right? And, and it is essentially sticking to that same investment philosophy of whatever percent that they subscribe to and selling their winners to buy their losers to balance things out. I'm like, bro, I, I don't think that's how, how things should work. Lah. Right? So, when you blindly believe in this whole balancing and diversifying kind of thing, you end up selling your winners and when I look at it, my experience, okay, I don't have like hard data to support me saying that this is a bad move. Okay, I get it when some of these uh, equities, or I'm speaking for equities only, some of these equities, they become like sky high and they have meat valuations that are like, like nuts, right? Then you want to sell them? Okay, can or their story has changed. You want to sell them? Okay, cool. But if they are doing well and you sell them just because they are doing too well compared to the others and then you choose to go and buy the guy that is more chialat, that is like losing money, the logic may match, like, the logic not matching. Because why am I selling my best companies, my best performers, you know, to encash and buy the losers? Wow. I mean, I mean, you get that, you get the idea, right? It's like, 
you want to own the winners and you want to continue to own the winners. You want to essentially be selling your losers. Those that are not making money, you want to sell them. But psychologically, I think a lot of people find it painful to sell their losses. They rather, they rather sell the, the gains, right? And believe that one day, well, Popi, Popi, High Flux will come back or Popi, Popi, whatever company that they lose money will, will bounce back. But the reality is, they, they, the chances of them bouncing back is probably much lesser than the chances of the winners continue to win. So always stick with your winners. Don't ever sell your winners unless you potentially see signs that they may be losing or they are, their narrative is changing or their competitive advantage is no longer there. Right? Don't need to blindly stick to the whole idea of diversification. Like everything must be diversified and must be balanced. Okay? And this should also play out if you are buying across different asset class. You own a little bit of REITs, a little bit of equities, you know, a little bit of gold, a little bit of government bonds, you know, and when you when you own all these, you don't need to blindly stick to that composite. If let's say some of your portfolio outperforms the others, okay, cool, so be it, good stuff. The whole idea is to let this whole portfolio grow on its own unless the underlying asset has changed, okay? Unless, let's say the REIT market, like, like now, you know, uh, the whole COVID thing, you know, people are not, you know, uh, leasing office space anymore. Let's say there's some fundamental change, right, in, in the whole REIT thing, then you want to sell your REITs. Okay, I get it. I think that is a fair way to sell it. Not because your equities is doing better or your REITs is doing better and then you want to sell to rebalance. Uh, just so because we need to stick to that, right? So you want to know when to sell your portfolio and I believe you want to sell your portfolios when you know they are no longer meeting your, your investment thesis. Right? So when your ideology is not met, then you sell it not to balance. So this is definitely a big pitfall in diversification, right? So I sum up today with these three, you know, pitfalls of diversification that I observe in the market. Number one is buying multiple compound product, thinking that you are diversifying, but in actuality, you have a lot of, you know, overlap in your compound product such that you end up having certain stocks and certain exposure or certain product with too much exposure, more than what you were expecting, you know, like that of Bill. Lah, huh? And number two is that you end up buying blindly into different asset class just because you need to diversify, but you actually don't know what you're buying. So when shit happens, you, you don't know what you're buying, you don't know how to rectify, you don't know what's going on. So to me, I'd rather you not diversify. And number three is that you sell your winners just because you need to balance and diversify to buy your losers, to stick to your investment philosophy but to me that is fundamentally flawed you want to keep your winners and sell your losers and we'll talk about all these things in more detail in another episode but today I hope you learn something useful see ya hey I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building our community of financially savvy coconuts. And together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, everything is in the description below. If you enjoy our podcast and want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and always remember, Personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Okay, test, test. Um, 
wow, this was a good episode. I'm I'm very happy recording this. I hope you, I hope you enjoy because these are some things that I really feel very passionate about, and I see a lot of people falling into this kind of pitfalls. Definitely share with your friends, and you know I'm sure many people will benefit from from uh, today's episode, and as also next week's episode, right? So next week's episode is going to be interesting because you know everyone is talking about you know fire or early retirement. Everybody wants to retire. And as a self-proclaimed semi-retired for an extended period of time, I think I retired for a few years, you know, and I just want to give you guys some pointers, you know, as to how I see retirement. And I honestly think it's over-sensationalized. You know, like, um, I personally feel that for a lot of people, when they talk about retirement, they don't really, they don't really want to retire. They just want to run away from their problems. Because if you think about it, if you've never, ever retired Right, you've never went for an extended period of time without working. What makes you so sure you will enjoy not working? Right? So I think there is a lot of things to unpack here about retirement. I believe that it's a little bit over-sensationalized and we will go deep dive next week about it. So yeah, um, we'll see you next week and definitely if you have any questions about early retirement, uh, reach out to us, right? Come on our community telegram group Meanwhile, take care, stay healthy. See ya, guys. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.